Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Amanda Slavin, the best-selling author of The Seventh Level and the co-founder of Catalyst Creative. She was recognized by Forbes as a 30 under 30 for marketing and advertising. Thanks so much for joining us today, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I want to start with your work founding your organization. That happened in 2012, I believe, and you listed the intent as helping organizations activate passive consumers into active participants. Can you explain the theory behind the importance of active participation for our listeners? Absolutely. And if you hear the the breeze in the background. I'm actually in Costa Rica. So uh, this is my COVID experience. Um, but um, I, my background is actually, I have a master's in curriculum instruction. I was a teacher and I was extremely passionate about studying what it looked like to garner the attention of my students and really deeply connect with them so that they could learn in a really meaningful way. Uh, and so I then applied that framework in marketing and events. Uh, I, I was worked at a hospitality company, opened restaurants and built a brand using that framework. Uh, and, and then when I started Catalyst in 2012, the intention was to, because I understood what it looked like to inspire and educate students. And, you know, I, I feel that actually marketing is very similar to education because it is all around attention and it is all around trust and being able to, you know, build community with your audience so that they feel connected to what you stand for and what you believe in. So uh, when I started Catalyst, it was that combination of education, inspiration, uh, you know, experiential marketing, branding, social media, all with the intention to build community. Uh, and that idea of passive to active really came from my education days. I, I feel that everyone deserves the right to be inspired, to be educated, to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, and that brands have these huge audiences, these huge classrooms, if you will, to inspire and to educate. They just need the right curriculum. So that's kind of that way of thinking is how can you utilize brands as a, as a mechanism to inspire, educate, build community, and then in turn change the way people think about themselves in the world, going from passive consumers kind of scrolling on social media to actively participating in something, whatever that may be. Hmm. I definitely want to talk more about your work and the framework and all of that. But I want to start, I guess, with a question about you and your leadership journey. When you look back on how things have changed over the last few years, what surprised you the most about how you've evolved as a leader and as a professional? Well, so I started in 2012 and I was 26 years old. So a lot has changed since then. It's been nine years uh, and I've had a baby and I actually was diagnosed with type one diabetes um, over the past four years, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I moved to multiple cities, you know, from Las Vegas, well, from New York to Las Vegas, to Los Angeles, to back to New York. Uh, so I've had a lot of personal changes in my life. And I think that that has then, I got married, I don't want to forget that. Um, but I think that that has impacted my relationship to work. Uh, and I, what I mean by that is for so long, I really felt that working tirelessly, you know, for hours and hours, that hustle factor, uh, really just again, kind of burning myself at both ends was the way to run an organization and also to run myself ragged. Uh, and throughout the years, I've had to learn different ways to not only create balance within my life, but also to value myself enough to recognize that it's not about how much you work. It's about, you know, 
what kind of work you're producing. And that could be within an hour or that could be within 10 hours. It's, it's really about the intention that you set out to do with that work. Uh, but also it's about leaning on the individuals that work with you, trusting them, respecting them enough to do things differently than you would do uh, and recognizing that you can't do it all, all on your own. So I think that idea of working smart, not hard is what everyone always says, but it's that concept of what does it look like to live a balanced life? The only way that you could really, you know, be able to have a life outside of work and not, you know, run yourself ragged, as I mentioned I was doing, is to build a team that you trust and respect and let go a little bit, not be so attached to every single aspect of the company being done the way that you would want it. You know, that's not what a company's about. So that's let go a bit, let go of the control uh, and create more balance in your life. It's actually a perfect segue to a question that I sometimes save for later in the show, but a frequent question that we get from a lot of our listeners is about daily routine and what works for our guests. Does anything stick out for you that allows you to excel? Maybe it's a change you've made over the years, or maybe it's something that you couldn't imagine tackling the day without something like this. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of leaders talk about meditation and I, I started meditation uh, probably like eight years ago. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, I try to do the twice a day, 20 minutes per time, but sometimes I do like one and a half times, uh, but no matter what I do one time a day. Uh, and I think that for me, you know, with a one-year-old and we've been in quite a few places this year because of COVID and my business has changed dramatically. And it's, it's really that anchoring each day to do the same thing every single day when I wake up. Um, it allows for me to have a bit more of a grounded experience versus jumping onto my phone and being extremely reactive, which I tend to do. So meditation has been a game changer for me. I also think though, like it's generally, this is something that I really have always loved, but I just love to walk. It's not necessarily like a big exercise. It's just, uh, it allows for me to clear my head. So I've also had, even if it's FaceTime calls or Zoom calls, I'm walking or I change it to an audio call because you could just be on calls all day long so that I could have some type of space and time away from being like shackled to a desk. Uh, we've been a remote company for since the beginning. So I've had to create best practices for me to feel like, again, this integrative approach to work versus just being in one place all day and then feeling exhausted at the end of the day. You're definitely most known for the seventh level engagement framework. Can you talk a little bit through our listeners about what that is, how you came up with it and how it can be applied? Sure. Yeah. The seventh level is defined as literate thinking. It's when your personal values and beliefs align with a message, a job, a, you know, a marketing campaign, a product. Uh, so I always like to kind of talk about when you think about one brand or one experience that you have really included in a part of your identity that makes you feel like, you know, you're unbelievably passionate and committed to helping that company grow because it's touched you in some way. And, and all companies are striving for that highest level of engagement. Uh, but so often they don't actually know that that's what it's called or what it looks like and that there are these seven distinct levels to get there. So what I just love to say in, in a very short period of time without diving deep into each of the levels is that knowing that these seven levels exist allows for people to not get completely sideswiped by the blind spots that limit us from connecting with our employees, from connecting with our audience. And when you actually can identify these levels, you can start to see where does your audience fall within levels and how do you continue to increase engagement with them, striving for that highest level of engagement. And I will just talk about one of the levels, um, which is level four, and that's called structure dependent engagement. And that's instruction based engagement. It's a call to action 
action, a simple call to action when you say something like comment below and someone comment, like this post and someone likes. So it's the way we've been currently defining engagement, but it's still, you know, quite a bit from the top. So my whole entire idea with this framework is let's stop accepting, you know, these vanity metrics as what we consider success as it pertains to connection and engagement. Let's strive for much higher levels of connection. And I think people during COVID realized the importance of this. Um, well, the way I came up with it is in like literally 15 years ago, I was writing my thesis and I saw that there were these seven levels of engagement within the classroom. And there, I used that to actually create a framework, a step-by-step -step process to deeply engage students. And I used it as a way for the first time, no one had done it before, um, to measure what that engagement looked like. So as I mentioned before, I, I always like to kind of say that like, when people are like, how did you go from working with students to working with, you know, uh, corporate clients within events and marketing in New York City? And I always say that, you know, getting the attention of a six-year-old and selling an open bar package to a drunk banker was not much different because their attention span was fairly similar. Uh, and I think, again, it's, it's all around that idea that we can't take our customers for granted. And when you look at these levels, it's all about looking at what am I doing? How can I improve upon those actions? And how can I continue to build that relationship with my customer versus thinking that my customer is all about being a metric. It's so much more than that. For those of us on the outside of a maybe what would be considered a marketing or advertising role, how should we be thinking about the ways that we can help either our individual professional brand or maybe our company's brand? What are some tangible things that we can take from your lessons from being more in the weeds of a marketing and advertising role? Yeah, well, I like with the framework, the reason why I find it so it's so interesting is because it can be applied to any aspect of your life. And actually in the book, I, I break out um, Harry and Sally from when Harry met Sally's the movies relationship. And I also apply it to not only a marketing case study, but an employee relations case study. So the whole point of the framework is to help people that don't necessarily know marketing uh, and, and teach them about why marketing matters and why marketing is important. And, and I really consider marketing to be, again, this meaningful transaction. If if you will, between two individuals. And so you're marketing yourself when you're looking for a job or you know, you're, you're marketing your company when you're looking for an employee or you're marketing yourself when you're going on dates. I mean, it's it's constantly you're trying to sell yourself to someone and, and that what that looks like is having the step-by-step -step process to think about connection differently. I keep using that word connection. Uh, but you know, when I when I talk about the levels, just like very, very high level, if you will, you know, with level one, it's all around who are you talking to, who's your customer, um, and what tools are you using based based on that customer. And, and just backtracking a bit, but bit one step further, um, it's all before you actually think about your customer, you have to think about what you stand for. So you start with your seventh level statement. What do you stand for? What do you believe in? How are you communicating that? Then you talk about your customer. Who's the customer that aligns with that, those values? And I'm just going to quickly actually go through the levels, not defining them, but just literally like a one sentence. So you start with your audience, then level two is all around. How are you talking to that audience? What's the messaging? Level three is all around. What's that customer journey? What do you want from them? How are you, again, what's the end result? Level four is the call to action. So what are you asking them to build that relationship with them, whether it is asking them to join an email or asking them to, again, maybe go on a date with you and respond yes to a text message. Um, it's all around those simple call to actions. Level five is self-regulated interest. When you're piquing someone's interest, getting them excited. So it's sweepstakes, sponsorships. I'm using marketing terminology, but this can also be incentives, bonus structures, something that gets someone excited of what's in it for them. Six is when you're inspiring them to set goals to make a difference. So at six, you're thinking about 
How are you sharing your personal story to change the way people actually see you and your company or your experience? Or again, I keep talking about dating, who you are as a person. And at that seventh level is your personal values, beliefs align. So at that level, it's all around making your customer, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your whoever, the hero in the story um, and highlighting them in a really meaningful way. So those are the ways I would just look at it as starting at one, getting all the way to the seventh level is starting with what you believe in and then walking through these levels in a way that makes sense to connect deeply and meaningfully with the person that you're trying to connect with. That was an incredibly succinct and, and powerful way to think about the the seven levels. When you when you think about what's happened for you, maybe even over the last couple of months or years, you mentioned that it was a transformational year for for you and your company and all the changes that have happened. What do you wish you had known before you started out on this journey? Take it back as far as you want. What would you, the proverbial, what would you tell your younger self? What did you worry too much about? What did you not worry about enough? I wrote actually, so I, I recently... Um, we raised money for Catalyst and I transitioned out as CEO to, to be chairperson. That was in August after eight years. So that was a humongous change for me when my baby was six months old. Um, and I actually wrote a letter uh, to my younger self about kind of what I would have done differently. And of course, I'm completely forgetting everything I said. So I have to completely come up with a new answer, which would be, you know, I think that I would I would tell myself again to I really am a workaholic and I, and I've actually formed a lot of my identity from work. So the reason why I'm going to go back to the framework briefly is I like the seventh level because it's measures the success of a relationship between you and something else. Uh, And when you actually know what you believe in and what you care about and what you're passionate about, you can then determine what it looks like for you to connect with something else. And I think for me, I always say like when you're standing on the sun, you're blind. So often when we tell all these other people what to do, we are not, we're not able to tell ourselves what to do in the process uh, that I think I, I created too much of my identity based on my work without actually knowing myself separate from my job. Um, because again, I, I created Catalyst from such a pure place and such an intentional place. And at, at such a young age, it was such an impressionable time for me that I really let it form me instead of forming myself and then connecting with Catalyst from that place and that position. So I always like to say, work harder on yourself than your business, um, because so often founders create businesses for themselves to solve a problem that they think needs to be solved. And then I feel it's the founder's job to do the work on themselves so they don't stand in the way of the company than serving others, you know, that it's not necessarily just about them. So work on yourself harder than your business. That would be my main priority moving forward for the rest of my life. Before we shift to the final two questions, what are you the most curious about right now? It can be something in your space. It can be outside your space. So I've always been most curious about education. Uh, I, you know, I feel that education is completely different than most people think about education, which is now very obvious. When I did write my thesis, it was all around community-based learning, nature-based learning. So students outside of the classroom, the traditional four walls of the classroom. And when starting Catalyst, we created experiences in downtown Vegas that was using the city as the classroom. So to me, it's about redefining what it looks like, not only to what it where you're learning, but then how to measure that success of learning. So I am just very excited to see how COVID has shaken up the approach to learning and also the approach to respecting teachers the way that they should have been respected all along because now parents realize how hard it is <laughs> to educate children. So I'm just excited to see the paradigm shift. Well, that's a wonderful spot to shift to the final two questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Holistic. 
And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, never defend yourself against a lie or you become a part of the lie. A wonderful spot to close us out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? They can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me at amandaslavin.com. They can find me at catalystcreativeno.com because we creatively spell it. And uh, they could find me on AJ Slavin on all other platforms. But just start with LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest bet. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you again for all the great insight. Thanks to all our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization Ability at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. Thank you.